Welcome back to Hopeful Harvest Acres. This is Emmy. On today's episode, we are at week 12 of the Excellent Wife series titled Submission, The Wife's Joy. If you would, grab your Bibles, a cup of coffee, and let's jump right in. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to the podcast. Glad that you're joining me this week as always. It's hard to believe, but we are officially halfway through this book, The Excellent Wife. If you've been following along each week, I want to take a moment to thank you. I hope that you have been encouraged and that you are learning and growing in who you are as a woman, as a Christ follower, and as a helper to your husband. This book has been very eye-opening to me. This is my second time going through it, but I will tell you this time as I'm teaching, as I'm recording these weekly episodes, I find that I am being much more intentional about really reading through the pages of each chapter multiple times each week as I prepare to talk to you all about what we're learning. This week we are focusing on submission, the wife's joy. So I hope that you will be blessed. I want to take a moment though and just talk about the fact that it's the last day of November 2023 and now tomorrow we're going to be welcoming December. We're going to be gearing up for all of the wonderful events that center around the birth of our dearly beloved Jesus Christ. And I have so many wonderful things planned for our family, and I want to take a moment to talk to you all about them. So when I became a Christian four years ago, I knew who Jesus was. I knew who God was, but I did not have a personal relationship with him myself. But four years ago, when I gave my life to the Lord, I realized that I was a sinner who falls short of his glory, but that despite my sins and my failures, that Jesus came and he died for me. And when I embraced him, I became a citizen of heaven. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, and I have him as my helper as I go about all the days here on earth. But the first Christmas after I became a Christian, it was a very broken time because I saw how many things that I idolized about the Christmas season. One of those things being Santa Claus. Now, this is not a podcast episode to discuss whether or not you should be celebrating Santa Claus in your house. So hear me out. I will tell you that that first year, I really had to sit down and ask myself the question, is this bringing glory to the Lord or is this bringing glory to the man-made created things of the earth. And so I actually threw out many of the wonderful ideas and traditions that I had brought along with me from my own childhood into now parenting and raising children myself. And it was almost like a dreary year. Now, the second year after becoming a Christian, I slowly began to implement some of these traditions back into our family. I will openly tell you Santa Claus is not one of them. We do teach our children that Santa Claus was a real person, that his name was Nicholas Claus, and that he is now dead because, well, he was a human just like us. But his legacy lives on in the fact that just like Nicholas Claus was a man who loved the Lord and he gave many of his resources to provide for the needs of others, not because he wanted to gain a following for himself or to bring himself glory, but because he knew that he served a great God. And it was because of God that he had everything that he had. And so everything that he had been given by God, he wanted to use to bless others, to ultimately bring glory to God. 
And so Santa Claus is one of those traditions that we no longer do in our home, but we do have lots of wonderful new traditions that we are starting with our family that I hope my children will look back and say, wow, my mom and dad really made Jesus the center of the Christmas season. So one of the things that we're going to be starting tomorrow is a 25-day reading using Ruth Chow Simmons' book, Emmanuel. It's titled An Invitation to Prepare Hymn Room at Christmas and Always. If you're not familiar with Ruth Simmons' work, she is a wonderful Christian woman. She does beautiful water art. And so her book is not only filled with biblical wisdom, but also beautiful pages. And so each night, our family, leading up until the day of Christmas, we will read through each of these days in anticipation for celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, on December 25th. Some other things that we're doing this year, we're going to be doing a 12-day Christmas countdown. And I'm really excited about this because as I had shared, a lot of my views of Christmas, well, it was centered around Santa and what Santa was going to bring and the excitement and the little white lies to try to keep our kids from figuring out that, well, Santa wasn't real. But now our children are taught at a young age that, well, Santa isn't real, we believe that God is the reason for Christmas and Santa, well, he's getting pushed into the back seat because our home this year with the 12 days of Christmas, what we're doing, I have wrapped 12 different small items and each evening leading up to Christmas day, the 12 days before we will open them as a family. We have several different items, one of them being a gingerbread house that we're going to put together. We have some hot chocolate and little stirring chocolate sticks that we're going to watch a movie together, and then several other fun items that my kids will get to open. And as we open the item, we're going to read the reading from Ruth Chow Simmons' A Manual Book. And my hope is that my children will truly look back and not feel deprived in any way because they didn't get to experience Santa Claus, but they will see the true blessing of Christmas and then they will carry on some of these same traditions for their families one day. So I hope that you guys are prepared for the month of December. Maybe these are just some ideas that you can kind of play around with if you're looking for new traditions to start with your family. We always look forward to going and looking at Christmas lights together. And this year, my sister is actually going to take the kids to a tumbling center. And all the kids are going to get to spend two hours. They'll have the, the tumbling event center all to themselves. And they're going to get to do that. I thought that was such a wonderful gift idea rather than getting the kids a bunch of toys. Yes, of, ki of course kids love toys, and I'm not saying to not buy our kids toys. We still do. But that was a gift that I thought was really meaningful and something that the kids were going to remember for a long time. So, welcome December. We're glad that you're here. Along with December, as I'm recording this, outside it is sleeting. It's kind of gross out. But thankfully, I'm inside 
my boys are in the living room. They are playing a video game and watching a show as I sit and record this podcast for you all to listen in on. Okay, ladies, let's jump into week 12 talking about submission, the wife's joy. As Martha starts us off in this chapter, she tells a cute little story about two second grade girls having a conversation about how they couldn't wait to be 17 years old. The teacher, curious about the girl's reasoning for wanting to be 17, simply asked them, and she giggled at the girl's response as they said that they can't wait to be 17 because then they won't have anyone to tell them what to do. The teacher then informed them that she's almost 40 years old and she still has people telling her what to do. And she explained to them that it's actually not a bad thing, that it's in reality a good thing that we have people in roles where they're telling us how we should live our lives. She goes on to say that it is part of God's plan for every person. And what those precious little girls needed to learn is that God wants everyone to live under authority. And what Martha wants us to learn from this chapter is that God wants you to walk with him in joyful submission to your husband. So let's get started. Now, God has set a specific order for how this authority is to be carried out, which we'll discuss here shortly. And we're also going to discuss four biblical principles concerning a wife's submission and joy. So let's jump right in. Now, God has appointed three institutions with their own spheres of authority. So we have the family, the church, and the state. God planned it this way so that people could live in harmony together and be protected. For example, God intends parents to protect their children. We find this in Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4. God intends for elders to protect church members. This is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, 17. And the government to protect its citizens. This is found in Romans 13, verses 1 through 2. Within the family, God has given the husband authority over the wife for her protection. And that is found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Martha continues to say, in fact, submission to her husband is the heart of God for the Christian wife. Now, with God specifically addressing the wives to submit to their husbands, we see in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 22, it reading, Therefore, be careful how you walk. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Martha says that many times a wife may fail to see clearly the importance of her submission because she is so focused on what her husband is doing wrong. Instead, as women, we must learn to focus on our own responsibility. How true this is. It takes me back to the scripture where Jesus tells us that before you go to take the speck out of your brother's eye, that you first must remove the plank from your own. We cannot be hypocritical people. We cannot be people that are so focused on what other people are doing that we fail to see where we ourselves are not submitting to the will of the Lord. And so I humbly admit that oftentimes I find this being true for myself, whether it be with how I am seeking to disciple my children 
or how I wish that my husband would behave as a man, as my children's father, as my husband, I need to take the log out of my own eye and focus on what God's calling is for myself. So when we're focusing on our own responsibility, we have to understand that our husbands are sinners just as much as we are. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every single person needs Jesus as their own personal savior. And so because our husbands are sinners, they're going to at times be guilty of sinning against us as wives. And if our primary concern is that, well, they've sinned against us rather than what we should be doing, then our focus is going to be on wrong motives. Now, God has three main God-given basic responsibilities that as women we should be focusing on towards our husbands. Number one, our responsibility is to love our husbands. Number two, as wives, our responsibility is to respect our husbands. And number three, our responsibility as wives is to submit to our husbands. Ladies, I'm going to say this and I might have to say it again. Your good works are not dependent upon what your husband does or does not do. Your good works are going to be dependent upon your obedience to God in these three specific areas that I mentioned. To love your husband, to respect your husband, and to submit to him. So again, your good works are not dependent upon what your husband does or does not do. Each of us is held to God's standards to receive Jesus Christ by faith through God's grace and to walk in obedience. And we can encourage our husbands and we can spur them on to good works, but we're not their savior. We cannot force them to do anything against their own will. But as wives, we can show glory to God by being obedient in these three specific areas as women. Now, back to the reality that your husbands are also sinners. And so at times, your husbands very well may hurt you by their words or by their actions. And so as women, we cannot get so caught up in thinking about how our husbands have sinned against us. These sinful thoughts and behaviors could be as follows. If only he would do what he is supposed to do. Or, if only he weren't so selfish, then I could be a better wife. Or perhaps, I can never be what God wants me to be because my husband is not doing the right thing. Or maybe there's no point in my trying. He'll never change. <clears throat> no doubt, most if not all husbands need to make some changes in their lives. But scripture never says that the wife's obedience to God depends on her husband's conduct. Any wife who finds herself thinking thoughts like these needs to turn her focus from what her husband is doing wrong and instead make it her priority to please God by first laying aside her own disobedience to God's word. And so again, Matthew 7, 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This morning I was on Instagram and I happened to come across a <clears throat> Sorry, I was pulling this up. It's from Owen Strouchen. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name <clears throat> right. He is a preacher. He's a godly Christian man. 
and he shared things that are excruciating hard to do. And he said this list. He said to love your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you, to forgive those who have slashed your tires, to control your tongue, to believe the best about others, to admit when you're wrong. Yet all these are totally doable through the cross of Christ. You see, that is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, who was fully man and yet fully God, he came to the earth. He bore the sin that we ourselves could never bear. And he brought forgiveness and reconciliation through his blood to God, our our Father in heaven. And because of this great deed, we now have access to him. We can come boldly to the throne room of grace. And so Jesus did not despise the hatred, the ridicule that he faced. He took it because he knew what it was going to bring, that it would bring the forgiveness of sins to all who would call upon him. And so as Christians, we must always keep that in our minds. That is the heart of what the gospel is. We are called to deny ourselves and to take up our cross daily, just as Jesus Christ did. Martha says that as a wife focuses on her God-appointed responsibility to biblically submit to her husband, she will likely begin to see her circumstances more clearly and learn how to better deal with her husband's sin in a biblically appropriate way. In addition, as she studies what God says about a godly wife's submission, any confusion she may have had about submission should be cleared up. It could be that a wife's understanding of true biblical submission has been greatly distorted. Distress and hostility toward biblical submission in our society is rampant. And because of the lack of clear faithful teaching, that same distrust and hostility often exists within the Christian community itself. One common misunderstanding is that submission of a wife to her husband is a burden, a cross that the wife must bear. However, this is counter to the Bible's true teaching. The submission of a godly wife is more than a duty. It should be her heart's delight. You know, whenever I was getting ready to prepare for whatever I was going to be teaching next with this podcast, God put it on my heart almost a year ago to begin doing these weekly recordings for women. And I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. And so I've jumped around and through prayer, God has guided me to talk about different areas. We did a study on spiritual gifts. And then as I was really praying and asking the Lord what I should do next, I was drawn to this book. And I'll be honest, I was a little nervous because I know that this book can be very controversial in how people view biblical submission. And oftentimes, I know, even myself, I tend to, in the past, steer away from these specific areas of scripture. And so this book has been very enlightening. Now, there are many areas that I think to myself, I'm not sure if I like this, but it's not about us liking it. It's whether or not God said it. And if he did, then we know that it's true. And we know that we have some areas that we need to work on in our hearts. If we in any way believe that our way is right over God's way. And so as a culture, we know that many ways in how culture views women and how culture views the roles of men and women within a marriage and what defines a marriage in and of itself, culture has a different way of 
viewing these aspects. But again, we don't go to culture to tell us what is true. We go to God's word. So now we're going to talk about four biblical principles concerning a wife's submission and joy. Number one, joy results from trusting and obeying God's word. Number two, joy results from knowing that God is working to accomplish his purpose, even in difficult circumstances. Number three, joy results from following the example of the Lord Jesus in difficult times. And then number four, joy results from a spirit-filled life. So principle number one, joy results from trusting and obeying God's word. This is key to living out a Christian life. We are to trust God's word by obeying God's word. We don't do this in our own strength. We do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this if we're not actively seeking God's will for our lives through reading his word. We can't just simply read it and then shut the book and never address that again. I believe that we need to be intentional when we are learning new principles of God's word and how he wants us to live and to obey. We should do as any good new employee would do when you're starting a new job. You saturate yourself. It can be very overwhelming when you're learning a new skill. I know that was true for me when I started as a labor and delivery nurse. I've shared information about this quite frequently, but there was so much to learn about being a nurse to a mom and for her newborn baby. And I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. There's no way I'm going to be able to learn it all. Thankfully, I had many wise nurses who were training me, who had been on the unit for 30, 35, even some 40, 45 years. And they reminded me that they all had a first day. And I told her, I said, if I could just fast forward five years from now, she said, don't do that. Just enjoy the process as you go. And so that was some of the best advice that that nurse, her name is Sandy. Sandy is a legend on the unit for the newer nurses who never had the opportunity to meet Sandy. It's um, honestly very sad because she was a diamond and a rock pile, I guess you could say. And so we should all strive to be like Sandy and to give the same biblical advice to new Christians to women who are starting out learning how to store God's word in their heart and to be this woman, this excellent wife that God calls us to be. So in Psalm 119, 111, it reads, Thy testimonies are the joy of my heart. Do we truly read God's word and value what it says? Do we truly want to live it out in our lives? Because we can store a lot of information inside of these noggins that God has given us. But do we really want to be transformed into the image of Jesus? And if we do, and we say, yes, make me like Jesus, it's going to be an uncomfortable process. Perhaps even a little humiliating, as Martha often shares. 
throughout the chapters as we put to death our sinful way of thinking and we embrace God's way, being obedient to what he's calling us to do. So again, we should not be looking at God's commands as a burden on us. We should delight in them. And if we have a wrong attitude, I truly believe that we need to take a time of repentance, a time of asking the Lord to search our hearts, and to help us to have joy in being obedient to what he's calling us to do. Martha says that God's commands are given for our good and our protection. Therefore, they should be your joy, not your burden. God's commands become a joy to you when you resolve to humbly submit to him in advance of the actual opportunity. Then when tested at this point, you will have already made up your mind whom you are going to obey. Principle number two, joy can result from knowing that God is working to accomplish his purposes even in difficult circumstances. Now I've shared before that if some of you ladies are in an abusive relationship, whether you are being physically or sexually abused by your spouse, this is not a situation that God wants you to continue to remain in for the time. You need to seek out help through the local authorities, through your church. You need to get protection for yourself and your children. And then, you know, obviously seek biblical counsel for how you should move forward. But there's going to be many difficult circumstances that you're going to walk through as you are submitting to your husband. I was having a conversation with one of my friends this morning who is a new Christian who is learning what biblical submission is as well. And our life group that we are currently in is getting ready to multiply. We have many families and it just so happens that there is a large amount of us that are all from the same area within about a five mile, five to 10 mile radius. And so we're going to be starting a life group here in my hometown and then the rest of the group will continue on, but they will, as God calls them, invite more individuals to join in hopes that we can continue this process of making disciples, growing and multiplying and continuing to share God's word and seeing other people have their lives transformed as they become more fully devoted, devoted followers of Christ. And my friend is really torn because she knows that Staying within the area where she lives is going to be in their best interest. However, her husband is wanting to make the drive over to our area. And I told her, you know, you can discuss with him your reasons for why you believe it would be beneficial for you and him and your family to be closer to home. But at the end of the day, if you guys cannot come to a decision, just submit to what your husband's requesting that you do and ask that God's will would be done in this situation. And this was a beautiful picture of the fact her husband's not asking her to sin in the fact that he wants to remain with a certain group and make the drive over to this area. And so for her to submit to him would be within God's will. James 1-2 states, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Martha says that God is always working his purpose in a wife's circumstances. He wants to develop Christ-like character within her and give her the special opportunity and privilege to glorify him. God can even overcome what is evil or wicked for the wife's good as the character of Christ is developed within her. God's purpose will be accomplished no matter what. 
In Romans 8, 28 and 29, it states that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, a story that came to mind for me, not necessarily a story, but something that I have walked through. Since our youngest son was about seven months old, he has had multiple trips to the emergency room for asthma flare-ups. We've been seeing respiratory specialists. We have been seeing a hematologist because in the meantime, he has developed a condition that is known as hemolytic anemia, where his body is destroying red blood cells. On top of that, he also has a condition called ITP. This is where his body also runs low in platelets and so his body easily bruises and so this has been a difficult year and a half as we have maneuvered through figuring out what's going on with him and to be quite honest we still don't really know but I have seen God work through this difficult circumstance in more ways than I have time to even explain right now and it hasn't always been times of me being obedient but it has been a reflection of God's faithfulness to me in my life and as I have learned to trust God through the heart. I have seen that through these difficult circumstances, Christ is being brought out within me as I cry out to God and as these difficult circumstances give God the opportunity to have me rely solely on his strength and not on my own. It says that this is not fun and that we can still have joy in knowing that God is working in our life to accomplish his purposes. That's the truth of the matter. When we look back to Israel's history, they were faithless. God would spare a small remnant, but many strayed. And because of their disobedience, it resulted in judgment. It resulted in them being scattered and sold as slaves. The temple would be destroyed. They had worked so hard to build. But God would be faithful in allowing his people to return, to rebuild the temple. And then as Jesus came to the scenes, we see that God's word was fulfilled and that he said that he would send forth a savior. They were sacrificing animals, but these animals were not able to fully take away their sin. God gave the law on tablets of stone. But this law was never meant to save them. It was to reveal to them their need for a savior, just as it is for us. And so as they learned to trust God through the difficult circumstances that they walked through, they were reminded daily, yearly of God's goodness and that he is faithful to do what he said he would do. Principle number three states that joy comes from following the example of the Lord Jesus, especially in difficult times. Hebrews 12, 2 reads, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. As I had talked about earlier, as we take up our crosses and we follow Jesus, this is a call to die to ourselves. This is a call to die to our own desires, our wants. And to submit to what God is asking us to do. This doesn't mean that we just have to put our heads down and, and, and do these things. We do them joyfully because it is the will of God. 
Martha states, like the Lord Jesus, a wife can have joy in knowing that she is pleasing to the Lord and that this, as Paul said, momentary light affliction is producing for her an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. 2 Corinthians 4.17 As you look to tomorrow, it should be with hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of him, you can smile at the future. In Proverbs 31.25, it states that, that we can laugh at the days to come. Ladies, is your joy found within the circumstances of this world? Because if that's how you're defining your joy, it's temporary, it's fleeting, you're going to find yourself being knocked down continuously. Let's find our joy in the person of Jesus Christ. Principle number four, joy results from a spirit-filled life. There is joy from within a person who is spirit-filled. Ephesians 5.18 commands Christians to be filled with the Spirit. Being Spirit-filled means you are controlled by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. It is not an experience that you feel, but it is a biblical responsibility, which involves in part a way to think about life and God that is described in Ephesians 5. Ladies, our feelings will come and go. If God God's word says it, that settles it. And so we must do, not because we feel, but because God says. The joyful, spirit-filled person will also be in subject to her own husband as to the Lord and everything. So being filled with the spirit encompasses both wifely submission and joy. In addition, there is another biblical connection with a person who is spirit-filled, as they will be manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, one of which is joy. If you are spirit-filled, you will be expressing gratitude to God in all circumstances daily. Gratefulness should often be in your thoughts as well as verbally expressed. Lord, thank you for my family, for my children, the ability to carry them in my womb, for my marriage, for allowing me to be home, to raise my kids for this short time that they are within my husband and I's care. Thank you, Lord. In understanding the biblical relationship between submission and joy, remember that submitting will not always be fun, but there is always joy in glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. You should therefore commit yourself to learning submission, not with a dread of what is to come, but with an anticipation of how you can best glorify your Lord. This is God's ordained purpose for you. He has created an orderly world, and he alone has the sovereign right to determine how he wants you, part of his creation, to glorify him. In the next two chapters, Martha is going to talk about the biblical principles of submission and God's provisions for protection of a submissive wife. If you are struggling with submission, ladies, take a moment to pray and ask God to help you see the subject of wifely submission through his heart and eyes. Thank you, ladies, for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed episode number 12 as we talked about submission. Next week, we will continue on talking about biblical submission, focusing on the basis of the wife's protection. Until next week, I hope that you have a blessed weekend, and I'll talk to you soon.